Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. This is the TRT Community Podcast, where we discuss all things testosterone. I'm Brandon, founder of the TRT Community and host of All Things Testosterone. The TRT Community is a Facebook group of patients helping patients navigate the struggles associated with testosterone replacement therapy. We have educational resources at testosteronepodcast.com, including TRT-related clinical studies and a doctor search tool. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. What's up, man? What's going on? I don't like that intro much at all. I I've listened to it several times and I can't figure out what you're talking about. I can't really hear it. Yeah. You can't hear it? No. Is it too too musicy and not enough vocal or what? Are you talking about what you said last time the 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 words that I was just saying? Yeah. I wasn't actually saying them right now. Right. It was yeah. pre-recorded. You can't right. hear that when you're listening? Yeah, I can hear it. Oh, then what are you talking about? Cuz you were saying the like the cut in or you oh, edit that. it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, no. Not even just that. I just kind of hate the whole. Oh. So I like what it. I was trying to like, instead of re-editing the whole audio file, I was trying to just use what was already there with the intro and then fit what everything I wanted to fit into it, you know? Yeah. And it's too much words in too short amount of time. So I'm just like, this is Brandon with the TRT community and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> it feels um, disingenuous, I guess. Yeah. I like it. So you got you got big Thanksgiving plans? Uh, same same as always. The Eating listeners don't know what your plans are. Yeah, uh, I will go to three different families, three yeah. different houses, and eat the same amount at every one. <laughs> I'm gonna gorge myself. Do they know that you've come from the last house, or do you have to keep it a secret? And oh no, <laughs> no, it's all it's all good. They all know. But it's a good time. I think Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. Yeah? Yeah. How do you feel about, um, so it's it's your favorite, so you don't mind the three, right? I've done that in yeah. the past, and I wasn't a big fan of um, bouncing from house to house. Yeah, no. Uh, time management is, like, one of the biggest things. Just it can get, uh, like, I don't want to offend one family because we didn't spend enough time or whatever. Um, so that's the only thing, but I really enjoy spending time with Amy's family, my family. And then there's just some people that, that we really don't get to see very often. So, and it's not like these people are from out of town or whatever. It's just our lives don't connect as much. Yeah. You carried the show while I was doing that, by the way. Oh, thank you. Like a professional. Nobody (laughs) even knew. Um, yeah. So in the past when I've done that, it's, it's been stressful, you know, because and it was always like my mom's house, my dad's house, my grandma's house, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was already, the relationships were already kind of tense, you know? Yeah. So I, I wasn't a fan. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I still enjoy it. Our, uh, I guess my mom's side isn't as into it as much anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, today we're talking with Sean from Matrix. He's the head specialist over there. And um, as always, I mean, he's like wealth of knowledge. 
we've got a bunch of uh, TRT community Facebook group questions for him. And um, Matrix also has a special going on right now. Um, it's any new patient that um, registers and does their intake paperwork between December 3rd and December 15th gets a $75 credit off of their first uh, purchase, like with any hormone panel. So um, you get, it, well, okay, so also you have to have your first appointment booked by December 29th, which none of that is is any kind of hurdle. Just sign up now. And um do the intake paperwork, paperwork and then do your labs and get your appointment scheduled, but you get $75 off your first purchase. So essentially that's like a medication credit. Um, they've got a, another sale going on with um, CJC and Ipamorelin stack. So from the 1st to the 5th, so that one's actually going to end the day this podcast airs. So if you want to take advantage of that, be sure you you call them today. Um, but it's uh, $250 off, $740 for three vials. That's a 90-day supply of, of I guess, each, the um, Ipamorelin and CJC, or it may be mixed together. I don't know. You can use promo code CJC250 if you're already a, a patient and you want to just order it in their portal. Um, you just have to make sure that you get that ordered today. Anyway, here's Sean. Uh, we're excited to chat with him today. What's up, man? Can you hear us? Hey, Raymond. Good. How are you, man? Good. Sorry about that. I I had four uh, interviews scheduled for today, and I was in the wrong one. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was like, oh, shit, I can't get in. <laughs> so. You got big Thanksgiving plans? Uh, just to spend time at my mom's house, yeah. so my mother and sister. Very cool. Well, this is Mike. Mikey, Miguel. This is Sean. Hey, how you Hello, doing? Mike. Nice How's to meet you. Going good. Nice to meet you. Mike is uh, new to TRT. He'll be starting fairly soon, but he's never been on it before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure you'll have an improved quality of life uh, once you get started. On it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Sean's the head wellness specialist with Matrix, so he knows his stuff. And awesome. We've only done what, like one episode together? Maybe um, two? Was it one or two? Yeah, I like, it was one people love him. I mean, yeah. he the way he answers questions, they, they love it. <laughs> So we've got some questions for you today. You ready? Absolutely. So this fella says, curious if anyone has experienced being sick less often while on TRT. I'm always sick. I have a four-year-old that brings crap home. I've had tons of blood work done. Uh, vitamin D levels are fine, but I have a physical job and weight train, possibly overtrain. Just curious if uh, I'd recover better with less illness on TRT. Um. Yeah, so it is possible. I actually... This week, just had a follow-up with a client that had started with us a few months ago. And not only does he say that he feels like he's 18 years old again, but uh, he always used to get sick very easily. And since starting on TRT, he hasn't been sick in the past five months. Wow. So um, so it's certainly possible. Um, I couldn't say the exact mechanism uh, as to how or why. However, um, testosterone can help reduce mast cell proliferation, um, which is kind of like a, a immune response or an allergy in a way, so it causes inflammation. Hmm. Um, and usually when you have an illness, then the response that your body has is an inflammatory response. Um, you have the, the swelling, uh, puffiness, mucus, buildup, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So it, it essentially does optimize everything. And I've kind of kind of talked before about you know, guys talking about TRT or testosterone not 
causing weight loss per se, but it, it definitely mm-hmm. like optimizes your whole body's function, right? Well, yeah, you know, like at the, what I always tell my guys is that the purpose of my job is to get them feeling like they're in their 20s. Yeah. Because kind of like when you're in your youth, you know, a teenager in your 20s is when your body's hormones are at their highest or most like recovery is going to be best. Um, you know, probably illness or, uh, you know, sickness is going to be minimal. Or if you do get sick, you probably recover pretty quick. Yeah. You know, I'm, as of, you know, this past week, I've been fighting something that I, that I started getting. I woke up like last, uh, I think it was Friday with a sore throat and uh, just been, you know, uh, a little bit of a cough, really nothing nasally, but just a throat. And it's taken me a little bit, like it used to only be just days that I could get over stuff. Now it's just with age, you know, I'm 44 years old now, that uh, uh, just uh, takes a little bit longer. Yeah. So I'll still battle that out. So interesting that you mentioned 20s. How many, the next question is how many of your patients or do you treat a lot of patients that are in their 20s? Um, we do treat a good amount. Um, I wouldn't say that it's a lot, mostly because I would say that a lot of guys in their 20s tend to get ignored or they kind of deal with their symptoms. And the most common thing that I see that guys that do come to us in their 20s with low testosterone is that they tend to have had symptoms when they were teenagers and um, either they already had problems with weight gain and, you know, gaining body fat, couldn't really lose it uh, through regular exercise like most of their friends, um, even sometimes gynecomastia as they're going through puberty um, and uh, or just, you know, even at the age of 18 or 19, just kind of slowly doing down and they tend to be put on antidepressants. Yeah. Um, you know, because they don't feel right. A lot of times they have fatigue, they have EB, um, they can't sleep good. And so a lot of doctors just, instead of running, you know, well, I mean, sometimes they probably do run basic blood work. Again, it's just basic. You're talking about a CBCP, which is your red blood cells, white blood cells, kidney and liver function. And that's about it. Um, and uh, so they just prescribe them, you know, antidepressants usually. Um, so that's what the, the type of uh, clientele that we usually get when they're in their 20s. Yeah. They've already kind of gone that route and really didn't get answers. I've had guys that wanted to get their testosterone levels checked. Their doctors actually refused, like, you're too young. You know, and I've right. actually spoken to guys before that had their kids, teenagers, tested testosterone levels in the 400s. So, yeah. And as a teenager, yeah. you're supposed to be like, you know, as high as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, I've only said this like one other time on the podcast, but whenever I first got my testosterone checked, they wanted to prescribe me antidepressants. And I I didn't even mention the word depressed at all. That was not one of my symptoms. In fact, when I had the conversation with the doctor, yeah. um, I was leaning more towards testosterone. I went to the doctor after doing research, wanting my T checked. He leaned towards um, antidepressants. He agreed to do blood work. He didn't want to do blood work. He agreed to do it. I took the requisite. I don't know if I could go to prison for this. Probably not. I checked the testosterone myself and then went and got mm-hmm. the blood work done. So insurance caught me and I ended up having to pay out of pocket for that specific portion of the test. But I was yeah. responsible for getting my T levels checked because even after visiting the doctor and saying, hey, let's check my T, he wanted to check everything but yeah. And, you know, it's basically, I think it has to do with age. You know, a lot of these doctors that refuse these candidates, I think are older 
And when they were growing up, low testosterone was really unheard of. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, it's just the, the the life that we live today is very different. You know, even just 20 to 50 years ago, mm-hmm. um, the amount of technology we have, um, the lifestyle we have. I mean, you know, ever since COVID, literally, you don't have to leave your house yeah. for anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you can work from home. You can get your groceries delivered. You can order food. You know, you have Amazon for everything. Yep. <laughs> you can buy cars on Amazon. You can get prescription medication shipped to you. You don't have to leave your house for anything. So, you know, uh, researching and reading, you know, uh, have come across uh, some hypothesis of some guys in the you know community that believe that men should be physically active. And that that physical activity of a hunter style type lifestyle of being physically active uh, promotes higher testosterone. Yeah. Um, so because if we're sedentary, then your body really doesn't have to work hard at procreating and survival. Yeah. So you don't need muscle mass if you're just sitting around all day. You don't need to reproduce if you're just sitting around all day. Um, so a lot of these hormones, I think, that, you know, maybe it's a, that's a theory, but it kind of makes sense a little bit in a way that if it's not needed, why does your body need to produce it? Yeah, I can <laughs> see it. So, um, but, uh, anyway, but yeah, move on to the next one. I did have a question, uh, going back to the inflammation. Um, what about with joints? I've been having a lot of knee pain lately, like in the past couple mm. months. Yeah. So testosterone has been shown to act as a mild anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. and researchers have shown that it increases pain tolerance uh, mm. that it can actually work through a couple different pathways uh, possibly to reduce joint pain that uh, men may experience mm-hmm. um, so a lot of times you know if someone if one of their complaints or symptoms is joint pain I start them off on testosterone um, and, uh, cause it being in the community tier there's a lot of guys that will talk about Androlone or DECA per se, which is mm-hmm. brand name. It's all under produced. So Androlone is just a generic name for the uh, drug, but it's a 19 nortosastrum basically that the 19th carbon on the molecular structure was a recent testosterone-related Androlone. So it's a testosterone-like level. And that uh, is really widely known for reducing inflammation. So when I get guys that will say, hey, I heard about this in the community. A lot of guys like it, like the results. Like, well, before we get into that, let's balance you out into testosterone. See, I do because I, I have had guys before inquire about that. And with just the testosterone alone, they did have joint relief. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I say, well, you know, let's wait on that. We'll get your balance on the testosterone first. And then... We can, you know, explore that as an option next time we follow up. Yeah. That Nangelone has, has exploded too in the last like four or five years in the community and outside mm-hmm. it, it's, it was frowned upon. It was almost like if your dose was 250 milligrams a week on tea, if you talked about Nangelone, that was, oh, that's not TRT. You're running a cycle now. Yeah. Well, it has the therapeutic use for joint pain, joint pain relief. Um, a lot of guys like we typically, if we do prescribe it to someone, if they qualify based on their health, so if you check health parameters and markers to make sure that it's safe for someone 
had that protocol. Most of the time, uh, nandrolone is pretty benign. Um, there are potential side effects to that, but there are potential side effects to testosterone therapy anyway. Um, I would say a lot of the side effects associated with it are typically due to high doses. Um, so uh, we usually start our guys off at just 100 milligrams a week. Relax. Um, my dogs are playing. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, start off with just 100 milligrams, give them a couple months. It usually it's a, uh, the decanoate ester that's attached to the nandrolone is a longer lasting ester. So typically with testosterone, you can reach peak levels of the testosterone treatment after about four weeks. With the nandrolone, it can take up to eight weeks. So it, it slowly builds up longer. Um, so usually give them about two or three months, assess how they're feeling at that point. And then if they don't have, if they have, like almost everybody will say they have reduction at some point, maybe some milligrams, but the amount of relief may differ from one to another that we may increase the dose a little bit. Yeah. So this next fellow says, I've been looking into getting on TRT. I even sent in my lab work. But the more I look at this group, I wonder what are the actual benefits. All I see is balding issues, shrunken balls, erection problems, etc. I thought it should help some of those issues. It's expensive and seems to have negative effects in some instances. What's the actual benefits? So, um, well, yeah, I, I usually address this by saying you're you're in a TRT help group essentially. So mm-hmm. if I'm also a member of an RV, uh, you know, a fifth wheel repair group on Facebook, right? So when mm-hmm. I go yeah. into that group, I don't see a lot of big, beautiful RVs. I see the ones that need to be repaired. So you're, mm-hmm. you're in a group of guys that are seeking help with their tea. So you're seeing more of those issues, but you can take it, yeah. take it away. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. It's like, uh, you know, the TRT community is kind of like uh, a, a group effort to help fix more if you think about it. Um, but, uh, you know, what I would, you know, have responded to this was people tend to post reviews about things that they, they, they don't like. You know, it's not too often that people are posting and raving about, you know, uh, the great qualities or services that they're getting for what they pay or expect to get from whatever it is, the service or product that they're, you know, purchasing or investing in. Um, so if everything goes well and expected, you know, people aren't raving about it, just like reviews of restaurants. We're reading here about the bad reviews, but not a lot of people are going to post about the, you know, the people that they love uh, in the restaurant, the food or the service that they're, that they're getting, because it's kind of expected when you're investing money that you should be getting what you expect out of it. Yeah. Um, so when it, and, you know, when it comes to hair loss, um, it, 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 hair loss is a lot more complex. Um, it, it tends to be very genetic. Um, lots of men that are completely bald will have low testosterone as well. I mean, I see blood work daily of men that have lost their hair in their 20s and 30s, and their testosterone can be 300 or less. Um, really, the, the science behind hair loss, it actually starts with inflammation of the scalp, or it could also be thyroid issues. Um, you know, DHT is commonly uh, blamed upon of hair loss, um, for men, uh, when they start TRT, the DHT is a metabolite of testosterone. It's actually responsible for the masculinizing effects of testosterone. So what you get out of it, um, uh, DHT, when we're going through puberty, uh, actually our DHT levels are highest when we're going through puberty because it causes facial hair growth, body hair growth, deepening the voice and growth of the gen- male genitalia. Um, there's actually a genetic condition 
called Cyvalsal Reductase Deficiency. Some boys that they actually don't mature physically. They can actually have equivalent testosterone levels of their peers or even higher testosterone levels as their body's attempting to compensate, but because they lack the 5-alpha reductase enzyme that converts testosterone into DHT, um, they just don't mature physically. So sometimes they're actually raised as girls oh, wow. or they can adopt female traits while even though they're physically male, um, they can act or have some female behaviors in a way. And, and if raised as a man, sometimes they lack the physical maturity of a so DHT itself technically is not a catalyst for hair loss because if it was, teenagers would be losing their hair. Um, but um, it may be actually due to receptor density changes that occur as we age. So obviously, again, as a teenager going through puberty, where DHTs are naturally going to be their highest, we may not have a lot of receptors in our scalp or prostate that are affected by DHT. But as we get older, we might start to develop more receptors in those tissues that accept DHT, therefore then affecting it. Um, so, uh, and, and as far as regarding the testicles, um, shrinking, you know, from, from TRT, it is common um, if someone is not using HCG alongside their treatment. Now, it doesn't happen to everybody. We have had, I've literally spoken to some guys before that were just taking their testosterone and didn't experience any atrophy. So it's kind of subjective to the person. Um, but it's basically because the testicles are the main site of location of testosterone production men. And so due to supplementing with outside or exogenous testosterone, our body no longer has a need to produce it. And just like anything, like the old saying is use it or lose it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, your body will atrophy a body part that it no longer needs. Um, so, and then also when it comes to the issue regarding of, of lacking libido or lack of erection quality after starting TRT, that's usually a result of increasing one hormone, but not increasing or balancing others in the process. Um, so, because uh, testosterone is kind of like a totem, it's kind of a totem pole of hormones. And when you're jacking up the levels of one, then you can offset the ratios of some of the others. So I have dealt with some men that did not have issues with libido or, or erection quality before TRT, but then we jack up their testosterone and all of a sudden they have it because at the time before starting testosterone, that the ratios of some of those other hormones were in a proper ratio or balance with the testosterone. But then we raise the testosterone. Now that ratio, that balance is disrupted. And so then we have to do some further testing investigation to find out what other hormones they might be lacking that aspect. What I usually find coming across is that their older men tend to produce very little, almost not measurable progesterone or even pregnolinone. So I will usually have some pregnolinone. Pregnolinone is kind of considered the mother hormone. It's produced in the adrenal glands and one of the first hormones that's manufactured from cholesterol. Um, and during a cascade of uh, metabolism can eventually turn into testosterone. Um, but it's mostly manufactured in adrenal glands, like I said. Um, it's more, uh, uh, the other metabolites of it would be more affected in women than men, since, like I said, men, uh, testosterone is mostly made in the testicles. Uh, but anyway, in men, I usually 
find when progesterone levels are very low that so are the pregnolinone levels because pregnolinone is a precursor to progesterone. So usually I have them supplement with pregnolinone to try to help boost up their progesterone rather than directly to progesterone. Yeah. Uh, and that works for, for most guys. Uh, they tend to feel a lot better because pregnolinone also has uh, some cognitive abilities or benefits for your brain. Um, and it's also one of the anti-aging hormones, including DHEA. So, um, so yeah, just uh, balancing some of those out. And, uh, out of curiosity, of these first three or four questions, how many had you already responded to in the community? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of them are very repetitive. Yeah, yeah. I figured so. Sean is Sean's um, in the and Facebook a lot of times group. I even, you yeah. know, I deal with a lot of these questions almost on Yeah. Okay. I was saying you're in the Facebook group and he's always like constantly helping people. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah. a, a buddy of mine has Matacrit of fifty eight percent. He says he doesn't believe it's dangerous because he's injecting test. Is he right? I was told that it is in fact dangerous to your health. What say you? Um, so this is a very complicated and touchy subject due to standard care in regards to issues like this. The reason for standard care or donating blood or reducing testosterone dosage to maintain healthy hematocrit levels is usually due to the confusion of secondary erythrocytosis and polycythemia Um, Secondary erythrocytosis testosterone therapy can stimulate the kidneys to produce more hormones, including erythropoietin, which tells your bone marrow to make more red blood cells. More red blood cells uh, doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to clot or increase uh, blood clots or potential for blood clots. Thousands of people die every year from a blood clot that are not on TRT. Polycythemia varia is a blood disease that not only causes an increase in red blood cells, but also increases clotting factors. There's actually uh, 12 different clotting factors. And platelets are the main ones that you see in blood work because they're most commonly tested for it. They are the main ones. So like when you look up what causes clot formation, it's platelet aggregation. So the platelets are what actually tends to cause or create blood clots. Uh, A lot of times red blood cells can be caught up in the matrix of a blood clot forming. Um, And in some rare cases, Fibrin and fibrinogen can actually directly bind with red blood cells. But again, that's in someone that their overall health is very um, So it's a, it's when the body's kind of either lacking vitamins, minerals, and in a constant state of inflammation, lifestyle, dietary habits uh, are going to increase risk of that anyway. Um, so the overall health of an individual is the major factor that puts someone at risk for clots or cardiovascular. The standard medical care for high hematocrit is once you hit 54% or above that it's recommended to donate blood or get a filata. Um, sometimes an increase in uh, hematocrit can be, due, can be due to an increase in MCV on your blood work, which MCV is the mean corpuscular volume, um, which actually deals with the volume or size of the red blood cells. So when the MCB gets in the high 90s, because uh, there's a range, I think it's uh, from 79 to uh, 98 or 100, something like that, um, that uh, the, the red blood cells actually swell in size. Um, and it can 
Sometimes that can be due to uh, deficiency B vitamins. So it can cause a type of anemia that is not really related to lack of iron, but lack of B vitamins to where not enough iron is actually able to enter the red blood cells. Um, and the body starts compensating by overproducing, making red blood cells very large in attempt to carry more oxygen because iron acts as a magnet for oxygen to attach to red blood cells. Um, so uh, it is a type of anemia that can occur in causing the MCD to be very high. So that's something else to look at on blood work um, that can cause that because I've seen, I have seen in cases on blood work where someone does not have elevated red hot cell count, does not have health, uh, elevated hemoglobin, but their hematocrit is high and over range due to the MCV being up to 100 or even above 100. Um, and because the uh, hematocrit is a measurement of the total volume of red blood cells, doesn't mean the amount of red blood cells, just the amount of space they take up uh, versus your plasma. And so the size of the red blood cells can actually influence the hematocrit. So are you able to spend the time and, and look into those other markers or do you generally just tell your patients to go ahead and donate? How do you handle it? No, no, yeah, I look at all that stuff. So the MCB, MCH, MCH, RDW, um, all those blood markers deal with the quality of the red blood cells. Um, and if they're off or out of range, then it's a matter of knowing what the potential cause is. Um, so usually when a lot of those blood markers are high and the RDW is low, then like I said, it's more lack of B vitamins. Um, in some cases or instances when those blood markers are very low and the RDW very high, which is red blood cell distribution width, which kind of deals with the space between the red blood cells. Um, that it may hint, it's not a direct measurement, but it may hint toward low iron or ferritin levels. Um, and when I see that, then I'll go ahead and add in testing to have someone's iron and uh, ferritin levels checked because that I have actually helped other men that had uh, undiagnosed low iron or ferritin. And just by supplementing iron with uh, in their protocol, um, improving the quality of the red blood cells at that point actually brings down the hemoglobin and hematocrit. It takes a, it takes a mind like yours or Fred, Fred Vork, you know, from the group, you know, mm -hmm. I'm talking about. Yeah. you two guys are the only ones I think that ever understand that. Um, but yeah. it's his, his mm -hmm. uh, protocol is something that I've been curious to try for a couple of years now. Yeah. And, um, you know, Ken um, with matrix has, has done that protocol with people. I just find it kind of inconvenient for most people that live very active or busy lifestyles. Um, you know, like a lot of us work full-time jobs and we get real busy. So we can't be like, you know, setting alarms or watching a clock to take an iron pill, you know, three, four times a day at certain times a day. Yeah. Um, so I tend to lean toward a sustainer time release iron um, and I find that that works really well in improving or building up ferritin levels without jacking up the hemoglobin or the circulating or serum iron levels. Because um, I do find that a lot of the fast-acting iron, even prescription, um, can increase the serum or circulating or iron saturation, which is present in the blood. But ferritin, I've actually seen ferritin levels continue to decline. Um, so all it does is temporarily increase the circulating iron, but you're not building up the ferritin. So your ferritin is kind of like your savings account of iron that's stored or protein bound iron 
that your body's saving and holding on to for uh, kind of the future. So um, if you think of fat as stored energy, the ferritin is stored iron in the same sense. Okay. So next question, does high estradiol cause erectile dysfunction? Uh, yes, it definitely can. Uh, depends on the person ratio, the percent of, of estradiol to testosterone. I find that the majority of men, um, you know, based on a bell curve, um, that uh, feel best with their estradiol levels to be in the range of 3 to 5% of their total testosterone. Um, but there's always going to be opposite ends of the spectrum, just like a bell curve, you know, where like in a classroom, most people are going to get, you know, a certain type of grade based on a test. And you'll have some people that totally fail and some people that ace it. Um, and, uh, so I do have some guys that feel best or have best libido when their, their estradiol levels are close to 2%. Um, and I've had guys with estradiol levels, uh, calculated as high as 10% that feel amazing. You know, so, so at the end of the day, it's just a number. It's subjective to the person. Um, I have had guys, you know, when they get their blood work back and it's before our scheduled appointment, they'll be messaging, emailing me, <laughs> freaking out because their estradiol levels are over, you know, range, reference range. Mm-hmm. And, but what they fail to understand is I'm like, but dude, your testosterone is over range as well. Yeah. You can't be biased to one and not the other. So if your testosterone is higher than an over range, you have to expect your estrogen to be over range as well. Yep. So uh, that your body, ha- you know, has a balance, um, you know, it's called homeostasis. So you have to have a balance between these hormones um, to be ideal, you know, and estradiol has a lot of health benefits. It actually acts as an antioxidant to the brain. A lot of guys don't realize or understand this, but androgens or testosterone itself uh, can cause neurotoxicity. So it causes overexcitation of some of the uh, neurons in the brain. Um, so that's why some people can get anxiety uh, from testosterone. Uh, it's exciting, too much brain activity going on. Um, and estradiol or estrogen is more protective against that. Um, so some people don't understand when they're taking aromatase inhibitors or a lot of bodybuilders, or whatever, that they are actually setting themselves up for uh, potentially having Alzheimer's or dementia as they get older um, by not uh, having proper or healthy estrogen. Yeah. So this next fella says, is steroid-induced hypogonadism reversible? Also, zero sperm issues. Can they be fixed? Um, it's possible, but it's hard to say um, it, because it's going to be subjective to one person or another just based on their body chemistry. Everyone's different, so it depends on the dosage duration. Um, so, you know, the longer that someone has been taking those products, then uh, it can take longer to fix the problem, or they may not. It may not ever get fixed. Um, so it, it just really depends. Um, you know, I've had some guys that were on TRT uh, or even taking Nandrolone. So, that, you know, Nandrolone itself is extremely suppressing sperm counts. But I've had guys, you know, run sperm count analysis that they were actually totally normal, um, you know, on uh, testosterone or Nandrolone. And, you know, I've read stories or seen online of guys that were taking you know, different steroids that were known for causing sterility in men, but still ended up getting their wives or girlfriends pregnant. So, you know, it is possible. I tell people, I said, you know, out of millions of sperm count or billions or whatever it's supposed to be, that it only takes one. You know, as long as you have one 
healthy, strong swimmer, that's all you need. So it's just in the case that if someone gets a sperm analysis where they have absolutely zero sperm count, then they're infertile. Um, I've only seen that one time. Um, and that was from someone that was just on TRT and was taking HCG with his testosterone to try to, you know, uh, help protect his fertility. And uh, I told him, oh, sorry, bud, but we're going to have to take you off the testosterone and bump up your HCG to try to stimulate to get more testosterone. Um, you know, and I've had some cases of guys where they had very low sperm counts, um, you know, lower than considered normal range. And um, just taking HCG, bumping up their dosage, they were able to double their counts in just a couple months. Yeah. Um, so it's, like you said, it's just very subjective to the person, the body chemistry, how they recover, age. You know, there's a lot that, a lot of variables that contribute to that. But uh, health is going to be the biggest one. Um, and then something else that a lot of people don't understand that, that helps with sperm count is actually controlling blood sugar. Um, diabetics uh, tend to have issues with fertility both men and women, um, because the chronic elevation of insulin uh, affects hormones and uh, fertility. So, uh, so, yeah, if you're one of the things that you should look out for if you're trying to get pregnant is actually checking your glucose levels to make sure that you don't have any issues with uh, insulin or glucose or get forward testing into that uh, you know, if you are having a problem. So um, because uh, uh, PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome it's more common in women is actually the result of mostly insulin resistance. So their body's overproducing insulin um, and that affects their hormones. It stimulates their ovaries and adrenal glands to produce overabundance of hormones and it messes them up. And usually a lot of times they struggle to get pregnant or they'll have miscarriages um, because as a result. So it's really just a matter of controlling the blood sugar and insulin so this guy's been on been on TRT for four months now. At the end of the week, he feels sort of tired, but as soon as he gets his dose on Monday morning, after about an hour or so, he's ready for the week. Does this happen to you? Is this normal? Um. Well, I would say that it sounds like he's just doing a once weekly injection. Yeah. Um. And that would be a very common occurrence from once weekly administrations, because testosterone levels tend to peak about. About 48 to 72 hours after an injection. Um, and then testosterone levels will begin to decline. So, if I had Matrix, we actually uh, split up the dosing throughout the week. Um, some people will consider it micro dosing or just split dosing, whatever. Some people will dose their weekly dosage of testosterone into two injections per week. So guys are okay with that. Um, we usually recommend uh, starting off with four injections and then, you know, depending on uh, someone's schedule or their lifestyle. We got some guys that have very busy jobs. They travel a lot. So the frequent injections are just more inconvenient for them to stick with. Um, so then at least two injections per week. I've only ever met one person that got away with a once weekly injection and that just disaster levels after seven days after his injection was still over a thousand. <laughs> um, so which was astonishing. Did you, ever test him, did you ever test him two or three days after? Uh, no, because he would just always get his blood work like a week later, and that's going to be his trough. And I was like, I can't imagine what it is. <laughs> probably close to 2,000 right after your injection. Yeah. But that's just, you know, that would be someone that's a very slow metabolizer of testosterone. Um, and that has to do with the amount of enzymes that your body produces that break down the, the ester. 
um, and free up the session used. So, um, you know, like I've had, like that one particular individual only takes 100 milligrams of testosterone a week. And then his test levels are still over a thousand seven days after his injection. Whereas I've had guys, you know, we'll have them tested two or three days after an injection. uh, And they're like four or 500. Yeah. I'm one of those guys. I'm, you know, even at a dose of 300 a week, I'm going to be about 650 after three days. Yeah. The, I think the highest I've, got a guy on was 380 milligrams a week just to hit uh over a thousand and he was almost 1100 at that dose yeah so, uh, so yeah he just metabolized like crazy and we've spoken about this, spoke this before where i have found that guys that have uh, uh physical jobs you know physical labor hard labor tend to require higher dosages um it just seems like their body metabolizes yep so this is a same old question in a different form for guy uh, for a guy's first ever self administered injection. Where do you pros recommend? Um, so I leave it up to the patient on what they're comfortable with. Um, you know, to be honest, I don't really see a significant difference between subcutaneous injections and intramuscular. Um, I have had guys say they feel different. Um, and I do have some guys that do daily injections as well. So, but uh, otherwise, their blood work. Um, now, sometimes when someone is doing intramuscular injections and they have issues with hematocrit, I have seen it before where they, when they switch to sub Q, that their hematocrit levels may come down a few points, which can be very significant for someone. Um, but otherwise, in the end, at the end of the day, I, I don't think it really matters that much. So as far as injection sites, if you're going to do subcute, typically it's around the stomach area, almost like you're taking HCP or injections. But for intramuscular injections, the most common places uh, would be the, the buttocks or the shoulders. Um, a lot of guys uh, tend to favor the shoulders because they can see it. You know, you can see what you're doing a little bit easier or look in the mirror rather than, you know, if you're shooting your butt, you're kind of like you know, just trying to look behind you. You can't really, you know, see everything that you're doing unless you're you know, looking in the mirror. So, yeah. Um, so the, I would say the shoulders are a little bit more common than the buttocks, but I would say the, the buttocks are typically the least painful, um, just not a cushion cab on. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. a bigger muscle group to begin with as well. So bonus question. Um, you mentioned sub Q in the stomach. I heard recently for the first time ever that if you experience a lot of nodding and if you're doing it in the mm-hmm. stomach and you experience a lot of nodding, that you're not fully absorbing the medication is there truth to that i don't think so um because your body's going to eventually break it down anyway it mm-hmm. just be very slow for that person okay um but i have had guys complain that the the, the lump from the injection could last up to seven or days longer i was just switched to intramuscular then if it's a problem yeah uh, that really solves it so um it's just I mean, your body's going to eventually absorb and break it down. It just depends on the length of time it takes to do so. Prop um, nodded me up really, really bad. Like, uh, I mean, they would stay for weeks, and you know, I was doing it in my stomach, and I'd have like twelve or fourteen lumps in my stomach by the time it was time to do my next injection. Yeah, and I've well, the thing that I think a lot of guys, when it's lasting that long, may potentially also be that they're not really doing it subcutaneous. So sub Q technically is the space between the skin and the fat. 
So if you inject it directly into the fat instead of just the skin, then it may take longer to metabolize. Um, so because uh, topical testosterone, you know, whether it's cream or gel, you have enzymes in your skin or close to the surface of the skin that actually will break down the testosterone. And that's why typically topical uh, uh, testosterones will yield higher DHT levels. So there's more 5-alpha-reductase enzyme in the skin to metabolize the testosterone into DHT. Um, and uh, But in the fat cells, there's none. <laughs> there's none of those enzymes. Um, but in muscle tissue, there's actually some of the enzymes that will start to break down or cleave off the ester that's attached to your testosterone. So a lot of times that's why your peak uh, levels of testosterone are going to hit about two to three days after the injection. Um, and I've had guys literally swear that, you know, the same day, like they do their injection in the morning and then by noon or afternoon, they feel more energetic. They feel more motivated, you know, so I don't think it's a, a placebo effect. I think that it is real that if their testosterone levels are so low and they're so used to it being low that for the first time in a long time when their levels get high, they see, notice a difference right away. Yeah. You know, so, um, so yeah, I think that, uh, uh, you know, that it is, it, it's just a, a much slower breakdown hmm. uh, versus intramuscular. So, but when you're micro dosing, splitting up the dose several times throughout the week, I don't really think it makes a difference between subcutaneous and intramuscular injections overall. Um, so the popularity of the sub injections came from one research study done <laughs> on sub showed that over the course of seven days that uh, uh, one single injection subcutaneous was superior at sustaining testosterone levels versus an intramuscular injection. Um, so, but that's when you're only talking a once weekly injection. So when you're doing it several times a week, then I don't think it matters, you know, to reach peak levels overall. So, but, uh, but like I said, I've seen in blood work, some decreases in hematocrit switching to sub-Q versus IM. But I've seen the opposite happen too. I had one guy that his hematocrit, because he was trying to, you know, already had a hematocrit issue um, with going intramuscular, decided to go to sub-Q and it went up higher. <laughs> so, you know, so it can have the other thing. So you never know until you actually try it. Yeah, you, know, you just got to experiment with stuff. Yeah. And, and that's the, that's part of what I love about my, about my job is it's uh, almost like being a detective. You know, you never know what's going to happen with someone when they first start on testosterone um, because everybody we are, I mean, we all have different fingerprints. No one's fingerprint is the same, just like a snowflake. So, you know, you can't expect everybody to respond or react the same way to a drug or medication. Um, so the thing is, is that just a, what I find is a lot of doctors or some clinics will treat everybody the same way because they see a majority of the population react the same way. But again, everybody can be different. You know, you have opposite ends of the spectrum. So you have a bell curve. Most people will react this way, but you're going to have some people that are going to react this way and that way and so forth. So, you know, again, I always reiterate that I think one of the things that we do really well at Matrix is individualizing a protocol specific to how a person responds to yeah. Yeah. I bet you, you spend as much or more time that we've been chatting here tonight talking with your patients during the consults. I know Ken, whenever I have a, an appointment with him, we're on the phone for 40 minutes. Oh yeah. Well, that's because I know 
you know, you guys will talk about your lives and <laughs> no. you know, things that aren't really pertaining to your protocol and medication. No, he's so all business. Me, uh, yeah. So with me, I'm kind of like more business, like, you know, I'm, you know, I kind of treat myself as your coach, your guide, your teacher, whatever, your educator. And so it's strictly, you know, and that just might be part of my personality is, um, you know, I would consider myself somewhat of a dominant personality um, that I'm more direct, direct to the point. You know, I don't beat around the bush. You know, um, uh, you know, I can be very talkative and likable, but um, I can't say that I'm, you know, want to find out everything about what's going on with your marriage, your kids, you know, that kind of <laughs> stuff. So, you know, because I, you can get off way topic, you know, and then, you know, I started getting into the, the conversation politics with some guys, <laughs> so, you know, and then I'll be like, okay, well, we're really getting off a tangent here. Spent the last 10 minutes talking about Biden. Let's get back to your blood work. You know, <laughs> so, you know cause yeah, you can spend, you know, a long time talking about other stuff. Yeah. But you know, for me, uh, I, I, you know, when I'm in work mode, I'm focused on just focusing on that person, trying to improve their quality of life and keep them healthy in the process. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. We appreciate it. And we appreciate you talking with us and walking us through this stuff. Yeah. Thanks. uh, You know, something I just want to throw out there too is, um, so some of your listeners, uh, or even some of our patients that may not know that we recently partnered um, with a a nutraceutical company um, called Designs for Health, that they make actual pharmaceutical grade uh, products, you know, like a lot of supplements and so forth. Um, so I've been in the natural health industry and supplement industry for a very long time, um, over 15 years. I've worked in health stores. I've worked for supplement companies. So I know kind of behind the scenes of manufacturing and quality and so forth. And, uh, uh, there was even years ago, there was a, a researchers actually conducted a, an actual research study. So for example, they did DHEA, you can look it up, um, but. They bought, I think it was like 12 or 13 different brands of DHA on the market. So they, you know, ordered some online. They went to stores and bought some and had them all tested for potency. And only one out of all the ones they tested actually had the amount of DHA that it said on the label. Uh, and then one or two more had measurable amounts of DHA, but they were not the milligram dose that it said on the label. All the rest of them had no measurable amounts of DHA in them. Wow. wow. Um, so that's why I try to tell people stick with reputable companies. Now, that's one mm-hmm. thing about the supplement industry. They are regulated by the FDA, just not as uh, strict in some ways as medications are. Yeah. So supplements do not have to be proven to be effective for anything. They just have to be proven to not cause harm. Um, so that's why a supplement, if it's, if any supplement is related to a single death, the FDA will actually pull it from the market. Wow. Um, and, but with drugs and medication, um, as long as they're proven to be effective to treat an illness or disease, doesn't matter how many people die from taking it. It doesn't have to be pulled by the FDA. Do you have to be a, a matrix patient to have access to the new partner? Um, um, not necessarily. I think you can, uh, buy them online. Um, but you know, through the patients, we have a contract with the companies to get discounts and stuff. But, you know, one of the products here that I've used, um, uh, 
pure paleo protein, mm-hmm. bone broth protein. It contains uh, a brand of uh, called Hydro Beef. Um, so it's a hydrolyzed beef protein rather than whey protein. There's great allergies. Um, that's worked really well. Um, I use a niacin supplement for my cholesterol levels. Mm-hmm. Um, I found niacin to be very beneficial in reducing risk of heart disease because I've seen plenty of blood work on guys that take Restor or Lipitor or other prescription medications for cholesterol. And while their basic lipid panel may be in a healthy, normal range, when I run a particle size test uh, of the cholesterol, which is more in-depth, which most doctors are not even aware exists, um, where they test the actual particle sizes of your HDLs or your LDLs, you have a, kind of like a... a, a you know, small, medium, and large particles, where they're categorized as. And what they found in research is that the small particles, or sometimes they'll list VLDLs, like your basic lipid panel, the VLDLs are the extremely small LDL particles, and they can be oxidized um, or, um, you know, damaged particles or cholesterol in a way. And the smaller the size particle may actually penetrate the lining of your blood vessels, therefore starting to create plaque buildup or hardening of your arteries. Um, so niacin, I've, I've literally seen the blood work, including myself. Uh, I was blown away at the improvement in my particle size test um, after just two months of supplementing with it, taking one pill per day. Um, and then along with it, I take their Omega Veil uh, fish oil capsule. So it's a very highly concentrated fish oil that's nearly 1,000 milligrams of pure omega-3s for one pill. Most fish oils on the market that you get, you can actually calculate the percentage. Um, so out of, uh, you would calculate the oil. So how much oil or fat that it has per capsule or per serving um, and divide that into uh, how many omega-3s or a milligram dosage of total omega-3s will give you the percent. And a lot of them in the market, so you buy like Walmart, Walgreens or CBS or other drugstores will have fish oils. The average is 30 to 35%. Omega threes, um, but that one in particular is a ninety five percent. Wow! So um, they actually, the company can go through a special filtration process where they actually remove all the other oils from that from the fish oil, um, and just leave behind the omega threes, um, which is what's been found in science most beneficial. Nice. So, uh, but the fish oil itself may not necessarily improve your basic lipid panel but it may improve the particle size um, as well as uh, improve uh, cellular membranes to actually accept other nutrients. So that's a little, a little bit more different subject. <laughs> so, it'll so just improve overall health. How does the, uh, how do they work? You, you guys recommend supplements and then are they tied to your website? I mean, how do you end up getting the supplements through the partner? Um, oh yeah. So typically with uh, follow-ups, you know, blood work, um, that uh, if we see any markers, um, we'll make suggestions, recommendations. Or if someone asks, you know, about different proteins, they even have some pre-workouts, amino acids, um, uh, nitric oxide boosters. Um, you know, they, they do have a whey protein and a vegan protein. Um, they have make a lot of different things. I mean, their category catalog is huge in the amount of products that they make. Um, and they're one of the top, you know, that I would say as far as uh, quality. Um, so there's a few other brands, um, like uh, Pure Encapsulations is very similar. Um, Thorne Nutrition is also similar. Those have great reputations. Um, they're considered 
um, uh, like certified health practice type uh, products or supplements. So a lot of times you actually have to have some type of uh, license or certification for the company to actually sell products to you. Yeah. Okay. Usually distributed through you know, chiropractic offices because a lot of chiropractic offices would integrate in medicine, so natural products or, or supplementation. Um, uh, acupuncture, massage therapists, um, and of course, like, uh, you know, with us, we're kind of a little bit of integrated medicine as well. So, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, we want to improve the quality of life for people, but by doing so, we have to improve their health. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Can you send me a link? Sure. Cool. Send me a Facebook message and then we'll check it out. All right. Appreciate it. Any other questions about anything? That's it. Actually, can you show us that bicep? <laughs> I kept, I kept seeing your tricep. Look at that. Wow. Look at that dude. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Have a good night. You Thank too. you. Thank you for listening to the TRT Community Podcast. Actually, what would you think? About his bicep? Well, no, with that too, but <laughs> just his brain, like his brain and his bicep, <laughs> they're both so big. Yeah, yeah, man, dude, smart. Yeah, like, could you tell? Detail. Could you tell it was that swole? Uh, I couldn't tell yeah. that. You that can much. see a, a drastic angle from his neck to his shoulders, but right. he, he just looks like a small guy sitting there, you know, from the nipples up in a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, but he's huge. Yeah, like that. I. <laughs> I was surprised. I noticed a couple of times when he would reach his hand up his tricep and I, you know, I wanted to stop and be like, did you catch that tricep? Yeah. But, uh, you know, he was just going with his brain, so I didn't interrupt him, but yeah, that's I had to take my shot. The guy's jacked. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I mean, that's like almost bodybuilder. Yeah, he level. competes. Does he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. I don't know that he's, you know, bodybuilders these days when they're 380 pounds oh, yeah. and they're just four feet wide, but he definitely, he just had a competition Within the last few months. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's all. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the TRT Community Podcast. You can find us online at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TRT Community. 